Blog Talk Radio. You've heard about it. You've read about it. You've talked about it. And now, you've found it. This is Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio, the largest radio social network in the world. With your host, Alan Smith, a veteran of OTR Trucking, business entrepreneur, and the most recognized name for assisting CDL students and new graduates. It's time to shut down that big rig, sit back, and come join the conversation. Truth About Trucking Live begins right now. Okay, thank you, J. Michael Collins, for that intro, the voice behind many of the movie trailers and commercials you hear. And we have them right here on Truth About Trucking Live. If you want to check out the man behind the voice, just visit jmcvoiceover.com. And we welcome you to the show. Today is Thursday, March 8, 2012. If you'd like to be a part of the program, our call-in number, 347-826-9170. And we're going to be talking this evening about the proposal to increase the freight broker surety bond issue, trying to get both sides of this issue included and why it's an issue at all. Some are for it, others are against it. Uh, If you're in favor of the bond increase, we'd love to have you on the show and call in and share your side of the story. And and just given the opportunity to hear both sides of this issue and why you believe raising the bond from $10,000 to $100,000 is a good idea or a not-so-good idea, 347-826-9170 is the number to call in to join in on the conversation. And uh, our guest this evening is Dan Matuli of TransportWatch.com and co-owner of Truck Freight Incorporated, having been a freight broker for uh, 16 years and believes that the $100,000 surety bond requirement could possibly put some bad brokers out of business, but depending on how it's implemented, believes that it would put a great many more good ones out of business. So others saying that raising a bond would allow only the serious wannabe brokers into the game, but what about those fraudulent brokers who can already afford the $100,000 bond? What would, be a, what would we be accomplishing, and is it right to basically weed out up-and-coming honest good brokers all because they can't afford such a high bond? And, of course, I mean, if you've ever been an owner-operator who got stiffed on your money by a crooked broker, you gave uh, you know, who, you know, gave you the load on Wednesday, then closed shop and reopened under a new name on Friday, uh, do you think raising the bond to 100000 will prevent this from happening in the future? Or by raising the surety bond to 100000 proved to be another regulation that would drive more good, honest, hardworking people out of business in an economy that already has over 12 million people out of work? So a lot of questions, concerns, and very different opinions on this issue. So our show this evening will try to present both sides of the story, and we'll let you, the listener, decide and make up your own mind. And so before we get started, Donna Smith will come in here, as we always do, for any updates and announcements she has. So uh, in the famous words of Ed McMahon, here's Donna. Hi, everyone. Good evening. Thank you for listening tonight. And I do have some announcements. Um, The first one, we were notified by Kyla Lieberg today of Truckers Against Trafficking. Uh, They need some help. If there's someone out there who can help them move uh, a 10 by 10 container from Denver to Chicago, please contact her. 
Um, you can either contact her at tat.truckers at gmail.com. That's T as in Tom, A, T as in Tom, dot truckers at gmail.com. Or you can get a hold of her right on Facebook. Uh, that's Kyla Lieberg. So, yeah, that's in the very near future, too. So it looks like, you know, they need it pretty soon. Um, also, there's a new website. Well, it's not really new. It's been up now for about two weeks, and it's for missing truck drivers. It was started by Kari Fisher. Um, you all remember uh, Mark Williams, who was missing, and the driver who uh, did find him uh, when the pol- really before the police did. So uh, we've decided, or Kari decided, to start a page where you can be alerted when there's truck drivers missing right to your phone. And if you want to be a part of that, just go to www.missingtruckdriver.com. And then all you have to do is um, put your name and your cell phone, and the text alerts will come to you. And you're only going to get text alerts you know, when there's someone missing. I mean, it's not like your phone's going to blow up with all these texts. I mean, hopefully, you know, you'll never get a text, and then that means that nobody's missing. But if you want to get in on this where it's a community of drivers getting together to help one another so that what happened with uh, Mark, um, you know, doesn't happen again. So that's www.missingtruckdriver.com. Um, on March 5th, it was the three-year anniversary of the death of Jason Rivenberg. Um, everybody remembers uh, Jason was parked and, and he was shot and killed for $7. Uh, since then, Hope has been on her quest. Hope is his wife, uh, has been on her quest to help uh, uh, more truck parking, which has been confirmed many times, the need of it. Many, many uh, things from the FMCSA has confirmed all their their research and investigations over it. And if you look on page 418 at the Senate Transportation Bill, uh, it does include Jason's Law, which speaks about more truck parking needed. Now, I'm not too sure about the way it's worded. Uh, you'll have to look at that yourself. Uh, but it is included and recognized uh, in the Senate Transportation Bill. Of course, you know that has to. The, the House has their bill, the Senate has theirs, and um, it looks like might be a while before before something comes out of that. <clears throat> uh, now let's talk about maps. Uh, we're going to be there at Booth 1652 in just a few days, actually. So. Uh, we'll be at the Dynasys APU booth. Um, um, I think that the uh, booth number is 16052. Yeah, did I say something different? You left out the zero. Oh, okay. Yes, <laughs> it's 16052. I'm sorry. And we'll let you slide. Yeah. <laughs> and anyway, um, we're going to be there at the booth, at the Dynasys booth. Uh, Dynasys is also one of our sponsors for the convention. And we'll be doing two shows there, the 22nd and the 23rd. The one on the 22nd uh, will be discussing the anti-idling. And on the 23rd, we'll be talking about uh, social media, trucking social media. Um, it's it, They have quite a spectacular um, booth for you. Actually, they, it's like three booths 
They're going to have us in a little glass uh, booth, and you can stop by and be on the show. And um, they're going to have a special media drawing for an Apple iPod. Uh, attendees will tweet their answers to questions, and and then they have their name drawn to win. So you want to definitely stop by for that, too. Uh, they're going to have a live product demonstration. Um, you can recharge your phones, your uh, your laptops. They call it a juicing station. And then they're going to have the airflow truck, uh, which is the most aerodynamic and fuel-efficient Class 8 rig in the world. And I don't know if you saw the picture of that on the Blog Talk Radio uh, link, but it's, it's pretty cool. I'll, I'll say that much. Now, as far as um, the convention, um, it looks like there's quite a bit of excitement going on. I could tell by the the people calling for the registration and uh, getting their hotels and everything. So we're really glad about that. This year's theme is to establish honesty, integrity, and transparency using social media as a platform. Um, all our sponsors and our speakers uh, display these characteristics, and we're we're very proud to have them as a part of this great event. Um, it's it's even going to be better than than last year, and last year was was really spectacular. We do want to announce um, that we do have a platinum sponsor, and that is the Pilot Flying J and Challenge Magazine, and we're thrilled to have them. Um, their support for professional drivers and the industry is displayed uh, not only by their sponsorship, but um, if you look at the degree of transparency they illustrate on their social media pages, um, you'll you'll see. Uh, you can read the conversations either on Facebook or Twitter, and you can you can really quickly see the desire to engage with others. Um, as they they use social media to determine the wants or the needs of drivers, and then they try to improve their facilities and their services using social media. So they're they're like a perfect example of companies using uh, social media correctly. Uh, the transparency is just phenomenal that they use. So we do thank you, and we're thrilled that they're our platinum sponsor. We're also uh, excited to announce our truck driver health speaker this year, and it's going to be Rick Ash. Uh, Rick is the chairman of the Trucking Solutions Group. Um, he's spoken at the first international conference on commercial driver health and wellness in Baltimore, Maryland, and uh, he presented topics relating to the health challenges facing owner-operators. Well, he'll extend that uh, at our uh, event, and it will uh, include all drivers um, besides owner-operators. Rick is a lifetime member of OIDA and um, who sponsored the convention last year, and we hopefully they'll be sponsoring it again this year. Uh, the registration. This year, you can register for your hotel and your ticket all on the same page. Um, if you don't want to register for the hotel and you just want your ticket, that's fine. So just go to www.truckingsocialmedia, click on the um, click on the registration page, and it's it's really simple this year. So um, if you have any problems with it, though, you know you just give us a call, and we'll kind of um, guide you through it. And I, you know, Alan. I thought I had more. Oh, I know what I wanted. I wanted to talk a little bit about 
um, the other speakers were having this year at the convention um, and the Making a Difference Award. Um, your votes are coming in for your nominations for the Making a Difference Award uh, because Hope was the winner last year, Hope Rivenberg, she won it. Uh, we're, we're calling it the um, Jason Rivenberg different, Making a Difference Award. So, you know, keep those nominations coming in, uh, and then we'll have a vote, and the award will be presented at the convention. Uh, another speaker we have is Kyla Lieberg, co-founder of Truckers Against Trafficking, um, and she'll be discussing the, the founding principles about their organization and how they use social media uh, to really take a grassroots organization pretty much off the charts. Uh, trucking Employment Law, Attorney Paul Taylor, again, uh, will be uh, talking to drivers about their rights. Um, he's with the Truckers Justice Center. And then we have Richard Wilson from Trans Products, and Rich uh, will be calling in tonight uh, with uh, the debate. But he'll be discussing CDL training and the truck driver shortage. And if you remember, Rich last year uh, spoke about trucking uh, regulations. Uh, also, who's going to be there, and he'll be available to speak, he'll have a booth there, is James McCormick of Trucking Careers of America. And uh, he'll be helping all those um, either CDL students, people looking into trucking, or veteran drivers who are looking for better opportunities. He's the man you want to see, and he will also be there. He he was also a speaker at last year's convention as he spoke about trucking employment. So um, I think now I've got it. As you hear the papers rattling, I kind of had them all over, but I think I've got everything on. Okay, well, we'll give you a shot at the end of the show, too. So, all right, thanks. And, uh, uh, okay, our guest this evening, Dan Matuli, owner of TransportWatch.com and co-owner of Truck Freight Incorporated. 16 years in the freight brokerage business. Our topic this evening, increasing the freight broker surety bond. So, Dan Matuli coming up on Truth About Trucking Live. Hang with us. You're listening to Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. Alan Smith will be right back. You might get hooked on driving trucks and shifting those gears. Don't get hooked by a tag, it'll follow you around. No matter where you go, no matter what town. Doesn't matter if it's wrong or if it's right. What they put on paper's gonna follow you for life. Don't get hooked by that. Don't get hooked by that. Don't get hooked by that. No. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. I hear from a lot of newcomers to the industry who still have that entrepreneur spirit that has made the United States of America the great country that she is. And many of them still have one goal in mind, and that is to someday have their own rig and become an owner-operator. Truth About Trucking Live is all about providing honest, reliable information about the OTR trucking industry, especially for those just beginning their truck driving careers. Running your own trucking business is part of the entrepreneurial spirit that has kept America moving since truck 
products were first used by the military in World War One. If you're considering starting your own owner-operated business, there's only one name that you need to know, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing. LoneMountainTruck.com offers the best lease purchase plans in the industry. There's no huge balloon payment at the end, and when you make that final monthly payment, they hand over the title, the truck is yours. They require a very reasonable down payment, and the monthly payments are kept at an affordable $1,000 per month, and sometimes even less. A great inventory to choose from, including Peterbilt's, Volvo's, Internationals, and Freightliners, and all of their trucks are mechanically checked out, dependable, and ready to go to work. And unlike trucking company leases, if you choose to change motor carriers, the truck goes with you. It's your truck. Check them out at LoneMountainTruck.com or give them a call toll-free, 866-512-5685. LoneMountainTruck.com, the honest guys for the sweet lease deals. LoneMountainTruck.com. This is Truth About Trucking Live with Alan Smith. To be a part of the program, call in now at 347-826-9170. Skype users can call in by clicking on the Skype button on our show page. To be a sponsor of the show, email Donna at info at truthabouttrucking.com. Now, back to the show. All right, we're back. Our guest, uh, Dan Matuli of Transport Watch, a company working to fight fraud within the transport, uh, transportation industry, as well as to promote your business's good name throughout the industry. So 16 years as a freight broker, and we welcome Dan back to the show. Dan, thanks for being here. Glad to be here. I'm uh, proud to be uh, allowed the opportunity to come back and speak with the both of you again. I hope we have a, a nice, lively discussion this evening. Yeah, we've got a well. We've got some uh, callers on the line here, hanging on. So uh, we'll kind of get the conversation rolling, and then we'll uh, we'll pull those callers in and and uh, try to get this thing into a um, professional debate here. But you know, um, I guess you know because of these fraudulent broker scams, you know, and we all know they're out there, and and owner operators, and you know, and motor carriers alike, you know, have been taken in by them. Uh, a lot of owner operators have the opinion that all brokers are no good and they'll they'll cheat you out of your money or only offer ridiculous cheap freight. I mean, it can be a problem, no doubt. But but how do you respond to a mindset that all brokers are not to be trusted? Uh, it's it's difficult to it's difficult to respond to somebody who would who would make such a, a uh, all all encompassing statement. Um, you could no more say that than you could. Then you could say the opposite. You know, I, I've had my share of troubles in uh, in arranging freight and, and having things go wrong, and and uh, finding that people go scurrying for cover when when that happens. You, you know, there are there are plenty of bad brokers out there, and and um, I'd be the first one to admit that. Uh, it's you know I recognized that a couple of years ago, and it's uh, actually long, much longer than that. But a, a couple of years ago, I decided I was going to start trying to do something about it and I put out, you know, a good deal of my own of my own dough and and a, and a lot of my own time and effort in in trying to to build Transport Watch to to uh see if we could put a a a little bit a little bit more control on this and and give uh, give people, you know, all the participants of the industry the ability to uh to do what they can step up to the plate, as it were, to to uh, you know stop all these things. 
Well, Transport Watch. Hi, Dan. This is Donna. Hi, Donna. Hi. Uh, it's trans- nice to talk to you again. Yes, it is. It always is. Um, Transport Watch is actually, um, for for people who don't know, you need to go to transportwatch.com because it, it almost reminds me, when you want to describe it to someone, um, it reminds me of like a, a DAC report for uh, a companies, freight brokers, drivers, whoever. It, it It's an alert page to alert people of people of people who are just not ethical uh, within the industry. And it's an alternative to uh, the, what is it, a bill that's going to be passed or they're trying to pass it? What would you call that, that they're, that they're doing? Well, uh, right now it's, it's, uh, it's called House Resolution 2357. Uh, it's a bill that is going to provide a number of things. Uh, and to be perfectly honest, I'm, I'm not in... I'm not in complete disagreement with with what they're with what they're trying to put forward here. Um, again, I'd be I'd be the last person to to say that there's that there are not some things that need to be fixed. Uh, there, this when deregulation came about and brokers started becoming more of a more of an item in the industry, uh, it it just it just kind of built on it on. On itself, and and uh, there, I don't believe there ever really was anything put in place to control it. So some of these things that are that have that have come about have have come about naturally, and it probably is time to pull the reins in on things a little bit. Um, from what I can see, this this bill does address some fairly important issues. It's my my main concern is is for the smaller operators out there. Uh, not unlike myself, but you know, I'm, I, I know that I'm not the only smaller operator out there that uh, may have difficulty having, finding somebody to write this $100,000 surety, and then uh, effectively being put out of business for for no reason other than the fact that they that they run an op, that they operate a small brokerage. That fundamentally is wrong. It's ironic that you, um, you know, who who has a, uh, a a freight broker business, is the one who started Transport Watch to report the bad ones. I mean, it is kind of, you know, there is some irony behind that, um, especially since Alan brought up the statement, people go, all brokers are no good. Well. You know that's like saying my old drivers, oh truckers are no good. They hate that stigma, or to say even you know all trucking companies are no good. I mean, all is such a a, a final word on everything, you know. It is. And you know you just can't you can't do that. It's just not fair. And I know how people feel. You know, well I got burnt. Well you got burnt by one. But if if there was a place where you could investigate people before you do business with them, like Transport Watch, uh, then you know these things wouldn't wouldn't be happening. So you know, I, I don't know what else to say about that one. You know. Well, when we spoke last, you know, I believe I indicated to you that I it, it, in the past when I started out, I was a corporate member of family business corporate member of a family business uh, brokerage that failed um we got 
we got taken down the road by a couple of, uh, actually three or four individuals, uh, a couple of trucking companies in, that, that we, who, for whom we were providing factoring services. Um, and, you know, people suffered as a result of that failure. And I, I won't ever forget that. You know, right. I, I I live with that every day. I um, I make sure that I operate in such a way my own brokerage that to make sure that that kind of thing can never happen again. Um, I have multiple safeguards in place. Uh, bad things happen to decent people, and 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 you're right. It is it is somewhat ironic, I suppose, that that a broker would would attempt a, something of this nature but um it you know I'm an honest guy and I'm not and I'm not the only honest guy out there that's running bro uh, running a brokerage well, well my understanding is there's a there's 20,000 licensed brokers in the US and majority of those I'm sure are small so uh, well I mean while others argue that Raising a bond would make it more difficult for a fraudulent broker to do business. I mean, it's really the smaller carrier that suffers the most from these uh, broker problems. I mean, the the, the larger the larger brokers have a higher overhead, causing a lower payout to the carrier and owner operator. Smaller brokers lower overhead, so they're able to pass those savings on to the carrier and owner operator in the form of a higher payout. So it seems to me if a regulation would weed out thousands of smaller brokers then owner-operators and smaller motor carriers could be weeded out as well due to the fact that they'll be looking at nothing but just more cheap freight loads. I mean, do you agree or disagree? I'd have to agree with that. I, I can't I can't believe that uh, anyone, that any driver would think that it would be a good idea to have to have all of the nation's freight concentrated with, with all of these larger brokerages. We all know who they are. But, you know, the lion's share of them aren't really known for paying the best rates in the world. Ours ours is a small brokerage. Ours does about $2 million a year gross revenue. And um, we, have, we have relationships with trucking companies that we've had for a number of years. Uh, we, we have never, you know, if something happens, and it does, you're, we're talking about men, machine, machines and and you know customers and and things don't always go to plan so there there is a place for for good brokers and that we can we can help some of these smaller guys that that don't have the big customer base and we and when things go wrong we can also be their advocate at least a good broker will be their advocate and making sure that if they're sitting on site and they're waiting to get loaded, that somebody's going to come get lo- get them loaded. Okay, we're going to expect that they're going to call the, their receiver, let them know that they're coming, and if they get there and they've made an appointment and then the receiver's holding them up, we're going to get them offloaded. We're going to we're going to make the whole transition go just as smoothly as possible, and and uh, that in in my view. That is a broker's primary function is is to is to make these things go as smoothly as possible, make sure the dri- the drivers get paid on time. Uh, we've got a we've got a really good reputation for that, and and uh, we intend to keep it. 
Well, I mean, I've never been a broker, never will be. Uh, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert at this brokerage stuff. That's why I have you on here. But I, I, I saw that this uh, this proposed bill uh, would establish significant penalties for violations of broker regulations. I mean, are, are there no penalties now? There are none that, that have been legislated that I'm aware of, no. Will the new bill, uh, does it put those in place? Well, it, it shows it shows certain penalties for people who who don't operate within the within the guidelines of the bill. Uh, it, it seemed to me, and I, you know, I'm I'm just getting to know the the entire thing in the last few days. And but I think it's it talks more in the lines of of companies that uh, where they're going to assess the fine. Is on carriers that are that are operating without broker authority, and and brokering excess freight, and then having things go go wrong, and and et cetera. I don't don't um, you know take my word as being a hundred percent because again I'm I'm not completely versed in this yet, but um, that is what it appears to be at this point. You know, really the the um, the penalties against brokers should be as far as i'm concerned jail if they're doing something criminal now aside from that i mean you uh, as a broker should be again making the transaction go smoothly and making sure that the carriers are getting paid and uh and that you know, that is probably the, the most important thing you know that i can think of it, it if you've got a hundred thousand dollar bond, I don't really have or a need for a hundred thousand dollar bond. I, I don't really have a problem with that, provided that there's somebody out there that can actually write it for a small guy. Okay, these are. I, I spoke with a. I spoke with my bonding agent about this, and they're not even sure how they can do it if this comes about. Even even given you know my eight years of of better than a, a ninety six. Uh, credit rating or credit score, you know, they're not sure that they can help me. Um, but as as to the initial question, no, I I don't see anything in here specifically for fines against brokers for uh, as uh, given for a specific uh, misbehavior, as it were. Well, you know, I have a, another question. Um, you know, somebody brought up we we had a little discussion. Uh, on Facebook about this, and uh, Phoebe Allen brought up drivers need to take some responsibility and check out, uh, you know, the brokers and, and you know, who it is they're exactly doing business with. Um, are there places now that you can check out before you go with a broker? Well, yeah, and I was going to bring that up, too. I mean, how effective is checking the credit rating of brokers like with Duns and Bradstreet or another reputable credit service? Uh, well, if you're asking me my my opinion of Dun & Bradstreet, I'm, I'm not a big fan of, of their credit service. And, and, you know, the problem that you run into, um, that's just my own opinion. That's, uh, but the pro- problem that you run into is the, the expense of it um, can be – sometimes prohibitive it 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 hurts a little bit you know even even me when i'm 
when I'm having to do credit checks on prospective new customers. Um, you want to be pretty sure that you know that you're checked out the the rest of the, whatever available information is out there. Say, um, say there would be something online uh, on Internet Truck Stop or Get Loaded or or that kind of thing that would give the carrier a way to to look at a credit report um, without a whole bunch of cost. Uh, the, I guess that's probably one of the biggest things that I'm trying to accomplish with Transport Watch is to give people a place where they can come and look, and and, and it won't cost them a thing to come and look and see if there's anything that's been listed on that on that on that broker, or if there's been a you know, in in the reverse. Give a broker an opportunity to come in and look and see if there's been anything listed on a given carrier in terms of, of poor uh, poor service. And we're talking egregiously poor service. I don't I don't want you know I don't want this site to be used to to uh, carry out little how how would we say it pissing matches against each other. Uh, everybody's going to have to have a fairly a fairly uh, solid grievance. And then we want to get the word out and make sure that that people are aware. Um, and, and again, another area that people can report on, and, and it's what I've put on on the site already, are the shippers that I've run into. See, with a with a with a broker, at least you've got they're they're bonded. You got half a chance of getting your money out of them. If you go direct with a shipper, you know it's not un, it's not uncommon for a shipper just to tell you, well, sorry, and you're out. And then, what you know? What are you going to do? You're going to go go take them to to a small claims court in every in every particular uh, state that you end up picking up a load in. You know, it, it gets it gets pretty cost prohibitive in in a pretty short period of time. Yeah, well, that's one of the great benefits that Transport Watch has. I mean, you can check out the broker, the carriers, and all that stuff, and uh, not not have such that pricey um, uh, cost there that some of these uh, credit reported. Uh, you know, credit services have, but let's grab a caller here real quick. They've been kind of hanging on. Let's go to uh, uh, right here in the Sunshine State, area code 305 here in Florida. Go ahead. Welcome to the show. Hi, this is uh, James Lamb, the president of the Association of Independent Property Brokers and Agents. Hey, James. I didn't know you were right here in Florida. Yeah, I uh, I have a uh, a little satellite office there. Well, you know, I'm glad you called in because I, I stole a little information from you because you're the one that I got the information about uh, 20,000 brokers and that you could see this $100,000 bond uh, knocking out up to like 85% of the brokers. So I kind of have to give you credit for that info. That's kind of where I got it from. But I'm really glad you called in. Go ahead. Yeah, well, I do want to talk a little bit about this $100,000 bond, and I kind of want to put it in the perspective of, you know, what you folks have been talking about for the first 20 minutes of the show here, things like honesty and integrity and uh, uh, transparency and things like that. Re uh, your uh, your callers and, and your listeners really need to think about this bond in terms of what is really trying to be done here. Uh, there's a there's a presentation to the industry that this is about fighting fraud, and the AIPBA has kind of uh, dealt with this for a couple of years now, and we've kind of become uh, uh, experts in this uh, particular issue, and we have uncovered the fact that this is really a power play. What's happening here is the big brokers, through their
Air Trade Group Transportation Intermediaries Association, a group that uh, collects a lot of money from uh, big brokers and just a little money from small brokers who want to join. Uh, they already sell a $100,000 broker bond. And so what's happening here is there's an attempt to pass legislation, and this is actually the third time in three years that uh, they have tried to, through their lobbying efforts, spending up to $230,000 a quarter, uh, they have been trying to get this through. The first time was in 2010 in the Senate as standalone legislation. The second time is what Dan's talking about here, the attempt in the House, which uh, first came out in 2011. And because there's been no support by congressmen for that particular uh, $100,000 bond uh, provision as standalone legislation, TIA has managed to get it into the actual surface transportation bills, both in the House and the Senate. Um, they've snuck it in on page 527 of the House bill, a very long, detailed um, bill that has a lot of controversial things, uh, including uh, drilling in Alaska and all that kind of stuff. And Congress has pretty much rejected that bill. Uh, and has sent essentially the legislation back to the drawing board, both in the House and the Senate. And so there's been three attempts to enact this, and each time the AIPBA has stood up and has said, wait, this is about the brokers taking, the big brokers, taking control over the market. I don't know if you got a chance to see what uh, I put out there back in 2010, but I issued an article, and it's on our AIPBA website, and it essentially warns Congress to tread lightly on this issue because what appears to be about um, essentially protecting carriers and preventing fraud, really what it trans translates into is an attempt for the, uh, the big brokers to weed out the little brokers. They will then control the market. TIA controls the bond sales market, and in that case, then owner-operators, including members of OIDA, will be left holding the bag in terms of not having choice. So really, this is not about fraud, but it's more along the lines of choice. Well, you brought up OIDA. I mean, I mean, it's 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 funny. I mean, they're they're all for this. Uh, they're they're for this increase. Well, and they are, and what's and that's very not only troublesome, but it's it's very perplexing because OIDA is actually the organization that started this way back in 2004. And what they did was they presented a proposal to the FMCSA at that time, and they said, we would like the freight broker bond increased to somewhere between $350,000 and $500,000. And so they were saying go from 10000 to up to half a million dollars. TIA at that point put out an article in Transport Topics by Mr. Voltman, uh, president of TIA, and he said, you know, broker bonds are not the answer. And we happen to agree with that particular position. Unfortunately, once they started to sell bonds themselves, and once they started to have conversations with some Congress people and with OIDA themselves, I think, and this is my personal opinion, that some people at TIA said, hey, you know, if we get it up to 100000 then we can sell more bonds. And what will happen is a lot of the little guys will drop out, and the market share will then go over to the big brokers. And I, it, it, it seems to me that whereas there's this, you know, this um, 
claim that it's about fraud and protecting carriers. It's exactly the opposite. And the fact that OOIDA hasn't really thought this through, and they haven't really looked at perhaps the unintended consequences of if there is a $100,000 bond, um, that that really is troublesome. I think what a lot of folks don't understand, and, and hopefully people will understand after today's program, is that this bond is not a normal business bond. This is a bond that has to be collateralized with cash. And that's not necessarily a law or a regulation, but it's more along the lines of the policies of the particular bonding companies that have their risk exposure extended from $10,000 to $100,000. They do not want to take on that risk exposure. And Dan is kind of alluding to that in that he's saying it's going to be tough for brokers, small brokers, to find somebody who will write this particular bond. And he's right, because what's going to happen is the bonding companies will go to a small broker and say, okay, we'll write a $100,000 bond for you. You just have to put up the $100,000 in liquid cash collateral. And what I like to do when I talk to owner-operators about this issue is I like to point out owner-operators have to have, independent owner-operators, small carriers, have to have $100,000 in cargo insurance. Imagine if the insurance company told you that in order to get the insurance, not only do you have to pay the premium for the insurance, but you have to put up the $100,000 yourself. Essentially, they would be self-insuring. So that's what's happening here. This is a move where most small brokers, good, honest, uh, you know, very nice people that, that uh, are out there trying to feed their families, what they're trying to do is essentially operate, and all of a sudden this will be a catastrophic incident for them. Not only will this put out of business up to 85% of the existing 20,000 brokers, but it will also be a uh, obstacle to those folks who want to go into business. And when I was holding here, I heard something about entrepreneurial spirit uh, a moment ago. And boy, would that be in, in contrast to to that. Well, okay, uh, okay. Uh, say, give the name. Uh, you said it real fast. You're, you're you're James Lamb, and you're president of what's the name of the association? It's a new association within the last couple of years. We have about 140 uh, property broker members, and it's the Association of Independent Property Brokers and Agents. The organization actually was formed due to this $100,000 bond. Uh, when it first came out in the Senate in Bill 3483 back in June of 2010. Okay. Uh, well, on the line with us here is uh, Richard Wilson, and he's a regulatory expert. And if I'm not mistaken, he's for the bond increase, but I don't want to put any words in his mouth, but I believe that's true. But let's pull him in here. Um, Richard, I think I got the right line. Is that you? That's me. Okay. Yep, I'm here. Um, all right, so we have Dan Matuli here of uh, Transport Watch and um, Mr. Lamb, who's president of the association you just heard. So what's your take on all this? Well, I, I have to, uh, first of all, I have to uh, agree with Dan. Uh, Dan and I had a very good conversation the other day, and we both agree on a lot of the issues. Um, and the thing about it is, uh, I don't agree. I, I agree with uh, protectionism. Uh, I don't know that the $100,000 in and of itself for face value, uh, and I agree with Mr. Lamb, 
that you would take, uh, it would be a specialized group of people that would be doing the bonding, which would be, uh, you know, a, a self-controlled part of the industry. I would like to see where um, there would be more uh, fraud and, and regulations uh, on brokers is like there is regulations on the trucking and that uh, like tr using people like Transport Watch and they would develop, um, you know, a system like a, a Dan and I talked about the other day, for lack of better terms, like an Angie's List of, you know, brokers where a company could go on and the higher rating and, and the better uh, capable uh, and honest that a broker would be, uh, to protect the carriers, and the carriers would have access and would have a good rating. And 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 I'm not disagreeing. There's a lot of I, I used a lot, a lot of very honest and good brokers over the years. Uh, I also know, being in the industry for 38 years, that a lot of carriers that I've dealt with and myself had to chase people down for money. Uh, brokers, I, I I like to call them. Um, unregulated free will telephone laptop fax machine brokers <clears throat> that'll start up with little or no overhead um, and go into business and they'll get like they'll load like 500 you know 20 30 40 trucks at 500 to a thousand bucks a truck and then disappear and you know the 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 owner operator with the cost of fuel the cost of insurance the increased costs with the freights remaining the same Take, uh, can't take the same hit as what they used to 10, 15 years ago, and there needs to be some legislation uh, and some regulation over the bonding and, and the brokers and the bonding agents as well. And uh, in fact, uh, uh, Mr. Lamb uh, mentioned S3488 or 8483. And I read in that, and the only real penalties in that was against, you know, uh, faulty surety bonds and nothing against the actual brokers themselves. And I think it ought to be uh, regulated in such a way that if, it, it, you know, if there was a bond and they did have to apply for, uh, I'm not saying $100,000 or whatever, but it should be enough based on a percentage of the annual brokerage fees uh, and if it's a tax, it's a tax or whatever. They would go into a fund that would help somebody if they if they got into a situation where they weren't being paid, and they would be monitored, kind of like a CSA of brokers. So if they had complaints filed um, and they got uh, you know they got enough uh, charges against them that there would be an intervention, um, you know, for lack of better terms, almost like a CSA report on brokers. And if they got an intervention, then the feds would step in, do an investigation. Um, you know, the, the principles of the company would be held, and it would have to be somebody that was uh, justly an owner or a group of owners, not like an LLC where the individuals were protected, but where the individuals would be held accountable for their actions and could serve uh, a large fines and, and um, jail time. Um, you know, looking in the, looking in some of these um, you know legislation that was produced, they're talking the minimum to the surety bond companies of ten thousand dollar fines. Well, ten thousand dollar fines aren't anything to them. You know, it's going to be a cost to do on business. Uh, but they, what they need to do, and and and, and I know, uh, like I said, I totally agree with Dan and I, with James that there's a lot of good honest people out there. 
I deal a lot with a lot of mom-and-pop companies that depend on brokers, but I've seen an increase in the last eight, eight to ten months of um, there's a certain group of individuals that are coming into the country uh, from places like South Africa, um, um, Pakistan, that are opening brokerage businesses <clears throat> in houses and in, 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 in um, areas, you know, uh, residential areas that are going into business for six or eight months, and they're loading a lot of trucks, and they're getting paid by the shippers, and they're making excuses for one reason or the other, and in 90 days we're not getting our money, or, you know, there's some kind of unscrupulous charge, or, oh, you are short, or whatever, and they're cutting the rates, or they're just not paying at all, and they're disappearing, and, you know, there's no real tracking like there is in a trucking. You know, right now we currently have in trucking um, the ghost fleet, what they call the ghost fleet rules, where if, you go, if you're put out of service by the Federal Motor Carrier and you apply for and try to get a DOT number, <clears throat> it catches you through your EIN or whatever. Um, there's nothing like that for brokers, and I think there should be. I think there should be uh, – they should be given a broker's number, an assigned number. Um, you know, okay. They have uh, let, let's go on. Uh, let's let me jump in here, Dan. Okay, I, I guess I'm assuming. I mean, you're for more regulations, like um, uh, like Richard's saying. Uh, I mean, don't, don't let me put words in your mouth. But if that's the case, I mean, what would be uh, uh, a fair increase? I mean, would you be? Would you think twenty five or fifty thousand, or leave it as ten thousand? I mean, what's your thoughts? Well, you know, again, it's it's. There's so many variables there. I can tell you that uh, as a small broker, I'd, I'd be real interested to see what my cost is going to be. Excuse me. If I could, if I could um, afford the cost of a hundred thousand dollar bond, say, say it didn't have to be collateralized with cash. Say, say you had a, a group bond, um, which, which was one thing that my bonding agent discussed with me is that they, and I don't, I don't pretend to know exactly how that how that works uh, in. And uh, let's see, on this bill, the uh, Fighting Fraud and Transportation Act, it's one, one part says the administrator may authorize the use of a group bond, trust fund, or other surety or combination of such securities that meet the legal requirements under this section. And, you know, I, I'm an honest guy, and I have a responsibility to those to those folks that work for me and their families to keep this business open. So I'll do whatever I have to do to to meet what requirements are asked of me. I, it's simply a matter of uh, I, I think that these things should be handled not so much with a sledgehammer, but but maybe with a you know like a, a body hammer or something where you're banging a dent out and you're, you you don't want to. You don't want to um, unnecessarily put somebody in bankruptcy court um, because because you've come up with a one size fits all thing. Uh, and I guess it, that's I, I'm perfectly happy to have more regulation, as as Rich mentioned. I mean, if if there is a way that we can that reasonable people can discuss this and come up with a you know uh, come up with a, a a uh, set of standards by which we can shake some of these people out of the out of the woodwork. I mean, I'm all for it because it, having operated the way I have all these years, uh, it it pains me to be 
to be called, you know, a cruddy broker or whatever. You know, there's there's plenty of things people say um, when they don't really know me, but it's based on it's based on the actions of these other people that I don't want in the business any more than anybody else. I have a I have a question. First of all, I have two questions. First one is for Dan. Um, what is the name of your of your brokerage company? Uh, our, our our DBA is TFI Logistics, and my my MC number is four nine seven two two two. I started in officially started in September of two thousand four. Okay, and T what? What are the letters? TF TFI. Uh, it's a, short for Truck Freight Incorporated, which is the legal name. The other question, um, Mr. Lamb brought up, I'm not sure if he's still on the line or not. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Uh, very interesting. Uh, another time when something is snuck up, snuck into a bill in the name of uh, something else for a purpose of something else, in this case, the name of thing. Um, uh, drivers and owner operators from being ripped off uh but really to uh for for the sake of keeping only the large brokers so it's you, you kind of get people to stand behind you because it sounds like something, yeah that's what we need and when the drivers hear it they absolutely say yeah I've been burned I've been burned I've been burned um we're all for it then when you look deeper into it, I mean, we've seen this with CSA and many things in the name of safety. We need this and, and that. Um, but it always seems to have another agenda behind it. So um, what does everybody uh, about that, you know? Deborah, can I respond to that? Yes. Uh, well, you know, we have to look at the name of this last Surface Transportation Bill, Infrastructure and Jobs Act. Here we have an act that's being presented to the American people as something that would stimulate the economy and growth and help businesses prosper and create jobs, and it's exactly the opposite with respect to this particular provision. Like we said, this will have the impact of decreasing the 20,000 brokers down to about 3,000 and 17,000 brokers will lose their jobs, and all the agents that they employ will lose theirs. So this has the impact of actually losing tens of thousands of jobs purported to be a jobs act. And I think what we need to do is we really need to make some distinctions here in terms of what's being presented and what's actually being what's actually going on like that. And we really need to look at the term that's being thrown around there, the term fraud. Fraud has a very specific definition. I'm actually a former New York Department of Transportation investigator, and my job for a while as a civil servant was to investigate business practices and look for fraud. And fraud has a uh, a component of it of intent, and that is fraud is a crime, and you intend to defraud somebody. That cannot be just thrown around there. Every time something goes wrong, it's fraud. Sometimes there's business failure. Sometimes people don't mean to hurt other people, but sometimes recessions happen and, and things go wrong. So we have to first you know, put that in perspective. The second thing is 
we have to look at the issue of whether there should be more regulation in the context of whether there's already sufficient regulation but that it's just not being enforced. And we would suggest that ever since the Interstate Commerce Commission was dissolved back in 1996, when thousands of ICC special agents, investigators were all let go, at that point the shift of the agency became passenger carrier safety and household goods consumer protection regulations. We saw many protection regulations pop up in that area, and property um, brokering and general trucking, that kind of went to the wayside. And so what we're left with is an, essentially an agency that really doesn't want to enforce any regulations, and even if it did, they can't because they don't have the appropriate funding. So at this point, we would suggest that what's happened here is that OOIDA got frustrated with FMCSA, and they took it a step higher. Rather than ask the agency to increase the bond, they've gone to Congress. They've gotten tired of waiting for FMCSA. And so now what we suggest at the AIPBA is essentially that what we need to do is not wait for the government to regulate. We need to regulate ourselves. And I think that that's what Dan is doing with his, his transport. It's Transport Watch, I think, is, is the name of the program. Yes, that's uh, correct. Right. So I think that yeah. he's, along, he's, he's uh, operating along that line of thought, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong. And we're on that same page. The AIPBA has said, wait, here's what we need to do. Instead of a $100,000 bond that would essentially put most brokers out of business, what if we do what FMCSA just did for household goods brokers, effective January 1, 2012? They raised the bond from 10000 to 25000 Did they do it because motor carriers needed more protection? No. What they did was they simply adjusted for inflation. The last time that the bond was set at 10000 was in the late 1970s. And so what they did is they, they did the math in terms of the consumer price index, and they said, well, 10000 back then is pretty much $25,000 today. And so they redid uh, the regulation for that particular type of broker, household goods broker. Okay, James, hey, James, let me jump in here. Are, are you on a landline, or what are you calling from? I, I'm, on a, I'm on a cell, actually. Okay, well, there's just some distortion. I thought maybe it was a cord or something. I'm trying to get you in here a little bit clearer. Oh, okay. Uh, that's, that sounded a little bit better. Go ahead. Okay, so what I'm saying is that, you know, if with respect to third-party intermediaries in between consumers who are moving and moving companies, household goods brokers, a subset of general broker, what they've done is they've raised the bond to 25000 we at AIPBA think that's the appropriate thing to happen for property brokers. OOIDA says 10000 is too small, and we agree with them. It's time for a raise. But it's time to simply adjust it to inflation and do what some of the states have done, such as the state of Florida with respect to brokers that operate within the state of Florida. That bond is 25000 With respect to the state of Virginia, Property brokers, regular brokers that operate within that state, that state's bond is 25000 So if FMCSA thinks it should be 25000 and these two states think it, then we would suggest that would be the solution. As far as fighting real fraud in the industry and dealing with some of these people that are coming from out of the country with the sole purpose of def really defrauding people, in that case, that's when AIPBA as a trade group steps up and we offer a complaint resolution program. 
so that if you're an AIPBA member, whether you're a broker or an independent owner-operator as an affiliate member, in that case, if you're having a problem with one of our brokers, we want to know about it. And in fact, if we have a member that doesn't pay their carriers, then number one, we're going to kick them out of the organization. We're not going to let them use our logo anymore. And number two, we make a commitment to our members that we will notify FMCSA and we'll tell them that we removed them and we'll recommend that the FMCSA open up what's called an operating practices proceeding, which is an investigation to determine whether that broker should continue to hold a license. Well, okay, okay, so you're the – all right, so James Lamb um, – President of Association of Independent Property Brokers and Agents. Uh, Donna, would you think say something? Well, it sounds to me like um, you, you and Dan have an awful lot in common. Um, it, you, the both of you are trying to step up and 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 fight the fraud uh, the right way. The only way I see it's going to work is these same people who are complaining uh, about the brokers need to step up and and actually put these complaints out so everyone else can see them on these sites and to report them to these organizations that want to do something about it. Because planning in the forums and on Facebook doesn't help other people, and it doesn't put these people, uh, create an awareness for these people doing wrong. And am I right? Am I are, am I on the same page with everybody here? Uh, yeah, a man, a man, a man by the name of Edmund Burke uh, once said, "All that's necessary for the triumph of evil is that good men do nothing." Right. So, and there you go. If, and and that's what I'm saying. And of course, I think with your organization, Mr. Lamb, I think uh, uh, people are more apt to say something. It's it's more of an established. People are part of it, and if they have something happen, uh, you know they're gonna they're gonna let you know. But the transport watch, you know, we we need to have or Dan needs to have people actually who have been burnt go there, the name of the company, uh, what they did, and Dan does a full investigation to make sure that you know people aren't just being silly and and you know being petty over little things. However, I do see, um, you know, both organizations in some form uh, combining forces to really create an impact uh, on on this uh, problem. It's this really huge uh, problem. And the issue here, you know, and what I'm trying to, to do is, and everybody should recognize, I've said it before, it's not just the brokers. Okay, I'm right. I'm in the middle of three situations right now, where I've I've just been taken down the road by by these carriers, and uh, you know, and it's like I said earlier, when things when things start going wrong, people go scurrying for cover. You know, you can and you can tell you spend enough time in this business. There's there's an outfit uh, out of Maine by the name of LLP. And the dispatcher's name is Ron Baxley, and he had we had something go wrong with a couple of his carriers on on some loads that he hauled for one of my agents out of North Dakota, and we brought it to his attention, and he said, "You're right, we that that was that was wrong. It shouldn't have happened, 
what do we need to do to, to fix it? And and I'll tell you, that's the kind of guy that I want to get the word out, you know, about. I, I want to get the word out not only about the guys that are doing things wrong, but also the guys that are doing things right, because they ought to be they ought to be rewarded for that. Yeah, well, you know, uh, Richard Wilson, you're still on here, regulatory expert for trans products. You have a lot of a uh, experience in getting the word out. You go to the FMCSA meetings uh, last year at the convention. You show drivers how to, uh, you know, how to respond with comments and everything. Um, I guess you can use that same uh, uh, baseline for for the topic of the show tonight, right? Yep, uh, and and. and I'm not disagreeing with, I guess, basically, what I'm saying is I need to hear from people like James, and, and of course, I talked to Dan the other day. I don't think at this point in time it it needs to, you know, like like James said, you know, maybe raising it to 25,000, but I think the main concern here, and I think we'll all be in agreement, that right now the FMCSA is the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration. That is their goal. That is the establishment of Congress, and they have no teeth. They have no real um, function in, in in this. And I wanted to ask James a, a question about that. He was saying about uh, filing and the Fed going in and removing the DOT or the uh, um, MC number, basically, for the broker. And once they redu- re- they uh, take away that number, can that can that broker go out and reopen under another name? Um, because I can tell you right here on the eastern shore of Delaware, Maryland, and Virginia, there's got to be probably 30 brokers in this area right around here because of the chickens and a lot of the chicken uh, movements and, and the poultry business. Uh, a company, I'll, I'll tell you, a company I dealt with for years was Trinity Transport. Ed Banning and his group are the most straight-up people you could ever deal with, and I never had a problem with them. But what happens is you get employees of theirs that spin off, that have contacts within the industry, and they set up, and the next thing you know, they get a brokerage license, they get into business, and then you start getting double brokered, and then you run into one guy not paying the other guy, and then eventually the driver what I'm saying is, is there any way that your organizations can help legislate some more teeth in Washington to protect it? Because that's what I think it ought to be. I think there ought to be some more um, uh, <clears throat> uh, char- criminal charges in jail time. Like you said, James, that's just plain fraud. That, that's right. And to answer your, your question, Richard, right now, can you – be put out of business as a freight broker and then turn around and get an MC number tomorrow? The answer is yes. However, I have to give FMCSA some credit here. There's currently, uh, I'm not sure if you folks are aware of this or not, but there's currently rulemaking in progress right now which would address that very issue. FMCSA has, issue, has addressed this issue with respect to moving companies and with respect to bus companies within the last couple of years. Right now, if you are basically shut down as a mover, you can't get back up and running for at least a minimum of 10 weeks. And in actuality, it's more like six months. Uh, I actually happen to be the president of DOTAuthority.com as well as my main business. AIPBA is a, you know, a volunteer effort for me. 
But as DOTAuthority.com, we help folks get authority, freight broker licenses. We do freight broker training as well. And essentially, right now, we're seeing that when a mover comes to us, it takes six months. Same with a bus a passenger carrier. And what FMCSA is currently doing now is they're going to a new application system. Right now, when you want to get authority, you fill out an OP1 application. They're revamping the whole thing. In fact, for those of, of the, your listeners out there that currently have MC numbers, be advised that they are doing away with MC numbers. And that is, as of 2005, Congress told them to do this, and now in 2012 they're finally getting around to doing it. Everyone will just have a U.S. DOT number, including brokers. And, in fact, all brokers that were licensed as of November 1st of last year have already been issued U.S. DOT numbers. So they're actually going through this rulemaking process to address that so that it's not as easy to get back up and running like it is now. Okay. I'm aware of the new restructuring and the registration uh, NPRN that came out and, and how they're restructuring it. I do. Mm -hmm. I basically do the same thing you do, and I know – Right now, if a company doesn't even file their corrective action plan in 30 days, it takes forever to get them back into business. And uh, it's really tough on that side of it, as, as you're aware of with, with your, your DOT authority company. But that's what I was saying with the, with the brokerage. It's just like, you know, shippers and receivers. How many times we've all complained about shippers and receivers, and the FMA avoids that like, a, you know, a disease. You know, they say we have no jurisdiction over shippers and receivers. Well, that's what I'm saying is if part of this process that we got together and, and, and made it so that there was an agency, a, a division of FMCSA, I mean, let's face it, the reason why uh, household good movers are under the scrutiny that they're under is because of how many unscrupulous household movers were because they ripped off the general public. And when it affected the consumer, then somebody got it involved. Well, this does affect the consumer because if trade is getting moved and truckers aren't getting paid and, you know, people are losing their jobs, those guys that drive those trucks for those companies that are going out of business aren't consumers anymore. So it kind of falls back on the same thing as what the household good mover guy did. Now, I, I think that the um, there needs to be a two-tier strategy here. Strategy number one needs to be the industry has to come together and make a make an agreement among all the relevant constituencies that this is the way we think that FMCSA should go in terms of cracking down on real fraud. And if that means that more money needs to go to FMCSA and new divisions need to be created, I, I heard President Obama talk about going after fraud in his State of the Union address back in January. So, you know, it seems like the government might be open to that uh, in terms of Plan A. Plan B simultaneously need, needs to be the industry through its trade groups needs to regulate itself. And, and we, we basically need to police the industry as, uh, as trade groups in, in terms of, for instance, AIPBA. What I want owner-operators to do in the future is to first say, is this freight broker licensed? Are they bonded? And are they an AIPBA member? Because if they're an AIPBA member, I know that AIPBA doesn't let fraudulent brokers stick around too long. As soon as they discover that they, they've snuck in, 
then and, and violated the AIPBA ethics policy that they have to accept upon membership, AIPBA shuts them down in terms of kicks them out, and at that point then ultimately sends a, a letter over to FMCSA asking that the license be revoked. So if we can do those two things at the same time, you know, don't don't hold your breath for FMCSA is essentially what I'm saying. In the meantime, oh, we, we need to step up and, and take action ourselves. But the answer is not putting out 85% of of the brokers out of business, though. That, that, that cannot be the, the solution. Right. But and 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 in in saying that, um, <clears throat> one of the things that I, I I did a survey and I asked some of the carriers that I dealt with before I was coming on the show, <clears throat> and one of the one of the suggestions I got from a majority of carriers was brokers must must disclose their commission to both parties in a load uh, originate originate yeah now, origination bill of lading, preventing double brokering and extra broker commissions and harm motor carrier profitability. Do you agree with that? Well, I, you know, I, I think that there's been a longstanding issue that, that has been out there where, and even TIA had addressed this issue, and it has to do really with, um, I think it was called the Truck, the TRUCC Act, and, and it has to, had to do with disclosure of margins and things like that. And, and that's not something that, you know, brokers are, are ever going to agree to. Uh, it doesn't matter if they're big brokers or if they're small brokers. So if that's the direction, you know, that that, that question goes, then that's something that, uh, you know, is, is going to be something that um, ultimately well, I, there's going to be disagreement over that, I think. I, I think you might be surprised at, at some at the margins that some brokers make. I, I, I think that there's a there's a, a large view out there that that uh, a lot of us are making you know eighteen twenty percent even more. I can tell you that you know I I've been looking at my numbers over the last few years, and I'm running about thirteen percent. Mm-hmm. Not a large amount. It's enough to keep a keep. You know the the house payment made, and um, but but do I do I feel like I would need to, you know, disclose on a on a load by load basis how much my profit was? I I don't know that that's fair. I don't. I I think that you'd have to. You know, if what's good for the goose is good for the gander, and if if you're gonna if I'm gonna have to show my profit, I guess somebody else is gonna have to show theirs too. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, I, you know, I know it's a tough. It's a tough world for everybody and the drivers and you know owner operators and and everything. But I don't know that that's a I don't know that that particular item is going to be a solution to anything. To be fully transparent and you know to operate with integrity and to be honest, we need to recognize that in Section 371 of the CFR, there already is a regulation that says that owner operators that have their authority to work with brokers or carriers that work with brokers have the right to uh, to shipping documents um, and, and invoices to shippers. And so all a, a carrier needs to do is ask the broker. And now if, if uh, the, it's done in an inappropriate way or a rude way or a aggressive way, then the broker is free not to continue to do business with that carrier. Uh, but, you know, there is a right to know already, and uh, and that's out there. Okay, uh, I got to got to take a quick break. Can everybody hang on for a little bit? Sure. Yeah. Okay. 
uh, got to get my uh, sponsors breaking here. They'll be yelling at me. So uh, good, g- good conversation going on here. We have um, uh, Dan Matuli of TransportWatch.com, uh, Richard Wilson, regulatory expert for Trans Products and Trans Services, and uh, James Lamb, president of the Association of Independent Property Brokers and Agents. And uh, take a quick break, but you know, you know, a lot of regulations have hit the industry lately, making it more difficult for owner operators, especially. But, but I correspond with uh, a lot of owner operators on a daily basis who are still operating a profitable and successful business, and they understand uh, the business and learn how to adapt to the changing regulations. And many understand that sometimes you just need to, uh, you know, a little help from a professional. So. Do yourself a favor. Contact Eddie Gachui of TripSheetCentral.com. He'll take an, an extensive, hard look at your business model and can help you grow into a more profitable and successful owner-operator or small fleet owner business. And I know he'll be glad to talk with you and go over what TripSheetCentral.com can do for your business success. So check it out at TripSheetCentral.com or give Eddie a call at 314 266 8450. You'll be glad you did. So, tripsheetcentral.com. And we'll take a quick break and be right back to wrap things up here uh, this evening on Truth About Trucking Live. Hang with us. There's a lot of copycats out there, but you know, there's only one Truth About Trucking Live. Don't go anywhere. Alan will be right back. Alan Smith here with Truth About Trucking Live and AssetTrucker.com with an important message for owner-operators and fleet owners. Hot John Incorporated is a company that makes the Dynasys APU, and if you're considering an auxiliary power unit for your truck but thought you just couldn't afford it, you need to talk to the Dynasys guys about their all-new financing program. The Dynasys APU saves fuel and provides AC, heating, plug-in power, all of those comfort necessities you deserve when you have to shut down for your mandatory break. It's definitely the smart way to be comfortable and save money. Their finance program is designed to make your monthly payment nearly half of what you're spending on fuel with their goal of making APUs available for every hardworking driver. They realize that times are tough and that credit is hard to come by, so they offer four credit plans giving all owner-operators and fleet owners a guaranteed financing opportunity. They can even get you hooked up with grants that can cover APU costs as well. Give them a call at 1-800-289-8282. Toll free 1-800-289-8282 or just Google search Dynasys APU. Visit them online at hodjohn.com. That's H-O-D-Y-O-N.com. The Dynasys APU, the best solution to engine idling. All right, we're back. Um, you know, Dan, uh, Richard said something a minute ago that kind of, got me perked up there when he was talking about consumers and it seems like the biggest thing here is that this uh increase to 100k would cause small businesses to go out of business uh, if this bond is increased to 100,000 
which I don't think it will be, but I could be wrong. I don't know. But if it is increased, uh, I mean, this would cause a ripple-down effect, I mean, uh, including that the surety market might stop riding the bond for anyone, like you mentioned earlier, because my understanding is, is that there are really kind of very few that even consider the 10,000 bond right now and and not only stifle business by putting smaller brokers out of business but could even um, increase the cost of goods, transportation costs, which would lead to higher consumer prices. I mean, is this scenario possible uh, or am I just off the mark here? Well, I, I think certainly the, the one thing that's going to, that's going to happen um, – Say my business went out. Would my agents go out? Would would my agents be out of work for a short period? They could probably find themselves some some work with an, with another larger broker. Um, they'd be reestablishing new relationships. Obviously, um, they probably would not be offered you know as advantageous a commission schedule as, as what I try to offer my people because I have you know I believe in in uh, rewarding people for for hard work um I I think what you're going to see is that if if all this break gets gets concentrated with the larger brokerages uh the carriers are not going to get paid as much money well that's Plain what I had brought that's what I had brought up earlier and and Richard I I think you were on the line too at the time uh, uh i mean obviously the larger brokers you know they have a higher overhead they have to cover the smaller brokers don't they can pass those savings on to the carrier or owner operator um so uh, your thoughts i get better I, I i got better money from the smaller brokers uh, and it makes better sense the to me you know I mean, i'm going to be quite honest with you the the uh uh, the the real cheap and heavies uh, of the industry, you know, had the attitude that uh, this is what we got, this is what it pays. I mean, you had no idea uh, what it was, and you had the choice that you could refuse. The, you know, you didn't have to take the load. I mean, bottom line, if the rate isn't right, you just don't take the load. Um, and 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 a, and a carrier that that subscribes to uh, a cheap and heavy. Um, type of uh, brokerage operation that that's going to haul for that is just you know they're they're falling right into the category of you know helping to keep the the, the rates down. Um, you know I I don't have anything against uh, small brokers. I think small brokers and you're a small company and you get a one on one or you know type of relationship and everything is up and up. Then uh, you know I don't think there's a problem with it. Um, you know, it's just like the, uh, you know, like James was saying with the uh, household movers guides. You know, they have to, you know, they have certain brochures that they have to put out. They have certain information on uh, rates. They have to go in and, and, and give, you know, costs, and, and the consumer knows up front. And I I think personally that if, you know, you're dealing with a company that's straight up and forward, like I'm sure, uh, Dan and, and the companies James represents, and they sound like they're honest companies. And, you know, from, from a trucker's standpoint of view, I thank God there's people like them out there in the world to protect us from the people that aren't like this, that, uh, uh, you know, that, 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 that we do have an understanding. And, um, and everybody knows the, 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 the S word that people like to use about the unscrupulous brokers skimming you know how much are they skimming off the top before they offer you the load 
you know, and stuff like that. So anybody that's ever brokered a load with, a, you know, with somebody and has taken a load, you're at the mercy of whatever they say. And if you're dealing with an honest, reputable company that has, you have a clearinghouse that you can go to, you know, like uh, Transport Watch or uh, you know, Mr. Lamb's organization, um, then that gives you at least one up and makes you a smarter trucker because you can find out who you're getting ready to broker or load with, and if they don't pay or they cut, they they add additional charges after the fact of contract, then you know that's a good thing. But uh, Mr. Lamb, can a trucker, like say I'm an owner operator and I'm getting ready to take a load off a board, do I have the ability to call your company? And your organization to find out if they're a reputable shipper or a broker? We, we can tell you if they're a member of our association. And we can tell you whether or not we've received complaints about that particular, you know, organization. Um, and, you know, as far as, as, as doing your due diligence, in that case, it's up to you to make sure they're li still licensed as of that moment for the load uh, and properly insured. But, you know, we're an added measure of protection to make sure that if uh, if you're going to go out there and use this broker for the first time or the shipper for the first time, we'll let you know if, if we've heard anything negative about it. That's what I'm saying. I mean, so 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 that's what I'm saying. So the driver that does want to be one-up and does want to be more efficient and does want to be protected and, and use the good brokers that we're talking about, they, they do have that availability that uh, they could they could contact your organization and you could give them, you know, say, yeah, they're a member or no, they're not a member. If you told me no, they weren't a member, that'd probably be the end of the conversation. Uh, but, you know, um, I, I, it's just what I mean. It seems like that um, there should, you know, I, that's what I would like to see, and we all say step up and protect the reputation of the good ones. Uh, if there was, you know, uh, and, Dan, I think you you'd you try to do this as well, with yours and the name needs to get out there and we need to get this information out there to the truckers. Uh, I'm a big advocate for education, uh, education of the drivers, the companies, and, you know, power is in education. And if they have a resource that they can go to, then, it, then you know, the good brokers are going to stay in business and nobody's going to deal with the little broker and who's going to give freight to the, to, the, to the bad guy, you know, and we can Let eliminate them. Uh, Rich um, and... James and Dan, um, the association that um, James has, the Association of Independent Property Brokers and Agents, if it's possible, it, it reminds me of the Better Business Bureau in a way, um, because supposing somebody, somebody is a good broker, but they're not a member, and they just you know happen not to be a member, I think then you have to go take the next step and go over to Transport Watch, see if anything was said about them over there, and then probably even take the next step. And, you know, if you don't see anything there and they're not a member at the other site, then you have to investigate further. I mean, you, you could what, do what? those two. But am I right? I mean, there could be good people that just happen not to be a member of your uh, association. Yeah, and really what you're talking about, Donna, is just responsibility, which you brought up earlier. You know, I mean, uh, you're talking about big money here on these loads, especially if it's a high-value load. Uh, just got, you just got to take the time to do your research and, 
and be responsible. And I mean, I'd rather I'd rather do a little extra leg work than you know be be out a couple thousand dollars. Well, you know, when when Rich just made a, a a comment, this came to my mind when he said, "Well, you know, I'd call up, and if they weren't, you know, part of the organization, then the conversation would be over." But that's, you know, not to say that, well, maybe he's going to join next week or maybe he never heard of it or or something like that, and he's the most honest guy in the world. Um, so I, I think, you know, there there should be a couple of different things in place, and that's why I said before uh, it sounds like Transport Watch and um, what are the initials for your company, uh, James? Um, a- AIPBA, so Association of Independent Property Brokers and Agents, which is independentpropertybrokers.org. Okay. And, I, you know, I can okay. see where both of these working together could actually be a source for people looking for, you know, what we talked about earlier on the program, the honesty, integrity, transparency. I mean, that that's just like the whole goal of what we do and what we were trying to do, what we are doing with the convention. I mean, we have – by the way, I never did get to um, – tell you uh you know this our sponsors so far i mean transport watches is there um you know we we have the dynasis these are all people of high integrity trip sheet central um kc trucker allen airs production truck drivers money saving tips these are the people that we're proud to be on board so um i think the the combining and networking of organizations like transport watch and yourself, really, th- this is brand new, but people are going to have to step up. Like you said, Dan, if people right. do nothing, if they do nothing, then evil will uh, prevail, correct? That's right. And it's and, and that's the bottom line with all of this is, it, you know, it takes participation. You know, here here are the tools. Um, be, be the change that you want to see in the world, like, like Gandhi said, and then you know, be the change you want to see in your industry. And and if you if you get on there and you report and you you report honestly about somebody who's doing the wrong thing, you're going to protect somebody else. Yeah. Somebody else is going to somebody else will totally agree. Go on there and they will and they will make a report and that will end up one day protecting you. Dan, I would I would add to that, uh, to paraphrase JFK, ask not what your industry can do for you, but ask what you can do for your industry. That's right. It's, it takes participation, and it's and it takes you. You can't sit on the sidelines and and just and just say this is a bad thing. You've got to get out there and do it. And you know, here I am. I'm I'm a broker, and and have been for years. And and I have I have the greatest faith. And the people that that operate in this industry, truck drivers, have more heart and soul, and they work harder than than ninety percent of people in the United States. No doubt about it. There, there's so many good, solid entrepreneurs, and they deserve to have a leg up. But they got, and you know, but you, in order to protect yourself, you got to get in there, and you got to you got to join the game and and help protect others as well. And if, yeah, it reminds and the, me of I've been uh, teaching so that they do they are protected. And I, 
and 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 um, um, you know that's 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 what it's all about is educating them. When I when I ran a fleet, uh, we had a we had a steadfast rule. If we took a load from a broker for the first time, we had never dealt with. Obviously, I wish you guys had been around 13 years ago. I could have really used both of you, but. You know, we first thing we did is we, you know, we contacted the people and we said, give us five, you know, references of people that's loaded with you, and we would uh, look the companies up. And if the companies didn't look like they were very, you know, they had high in the old days SMS scores, then you know we didn't put a whole lot of faith in them giving us the five right people, and we just walked away from them. I've met great people hauling for the first time, but if they were legitimate, they had their information together. They could give us good, you know, references, and that's what we used. And now we're coming into the age of the Internet and, you know, organizations like you guys, you know, that can help carriers and help eliminate the bad people. And I think that's a great thing. And I think the main thing is is getting that word out there through things like the social media conventions because there are a lot of people walked out of that social media convention with a lot of education that didn't know before the day they came there. And Dan will attest to that. He was there. I thought it was yeah. a great time. I was, I was really I was really impressed by by what uh, Alan and Donna accomplished that first go-around, and I'm I'm proud to be a part of it for the second year, too. Oh, we, we thank you, and we're glad you are. Um, there was a lot of networking that went on with uh, that were there, too. Um, a, lot, a lot of people hooked up together. For the betterment of uh, of the industry, uh, once they understood each other's goals and they they realized they were all you know in it for the same reason. So uh, we're, we're really looking forward, and we really are happy with the uh, caliber of people, not just the speakers, but the sponsors that are that are coming forward to be a part of this. Um, so uh, we we we're just thrilled with it, and I, we thank you both for being there last year. Yeah, you know hey, we're all talking. Talking about Can the transparency. Can I ask a question real quick? Yeah, sure. Uh, James, um, yeah. what is your and Dan? You can you can chime in on this as well. Uh, but this was another question was asked to me. I know in some of the legislation it was placed in there uh, on both sides of it. What is your two opinion about education of brokers? Well, you know, the first bill, the Senate bill, there there was um, a provision in there for training for brokers. But what the legislation did not uh, describe is the length of training and, uh, you know, who's qualified to offer the training. It's just a very ambiguous provision. Um, you know, so it, it would have to be something that I guess at the regulatory level, uh, you know, FMCSA is the experts in transportation. They would have to then take that, you know, mandate by uh, Congress, that enabling legislation, and then they'd have to go and create rules and regulations that would then actually uh, answer those questions. Well, you didn't you say the, you, you do broker training, right? Yeah. In fact, I'm doing a class tomorrow at Houston Community College. Yeah, that's what I mean. So, so I take it you are pro education. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 We, we think that we think that everybody should go through some level of basic training, uh, whether you're going to be a motor carrier or whether you're going to be a freight broker. There's certain things that you know, basic elements like inter versus intra 
state uh, transportation, what's regulated, what's exempt. Um, anyone who's in the business, and no matter how long they've been in the business, uh, might benefit from some of those types of classes. Right. That's what I was saying. I think I think that's another thing. I think it's too easy that somebody can, like I said, get a laptop, a phone, and a fax machine and basically go into business and not understand it and uh, you know, somebody, you know, that thinks they're dealing with a legitimate broker may find themselves in trouble. Recently we ran into a problem with a carrier in Pennsylvania. Uh the guy called and wanted a load out of Pittsburgh and they give him a load out of Pittsburgh to Allentown and come to find out he didn't have a PUC number and he got in trouble. Well, the the, the broker when we when I called and talked to him, I said, Do you did you ask them if they had a PUC number? And the guy goes, Well what's that important? Well that's why I said Education is important. <laughs> yeah. These days, people who are brokers today could very well have been plumbers three weeks ago. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, and that's a scary thing. Uh, hey, I got uh, got a lot of caller or got a lot of listeners on the line. Patches, I didn't see you. You popped up there, but uh, we, we're winding down here. But uh, go ahead, got you on here. Yeah, I'm kind of wondering. I think there's uh, such a thing as a broker or brokerage house can only charge are supposed to charge 10%. Could that uh, be a forcible, forcible amount? That's the uh, entire amount that they can charge an owner-operator or anybody? Because uh, some of them just don't do that. They charge uh, 15 to 20%. That's what I'm saying. Can there be a possibility that a certain set of uh, percentage is all a broker or brokerage can take? Okay, James, I'll let you take that one. Sure. The the answer to the question is there is no such regulation now, and, um, you know, it really becomes a matter of uh, what, how, how well you are in terms of the negotiation process. So the typical question, and we cover this in my class, the typical question that an owner-operator usually will ask is how much does the load pay? And ultimately he would like to know how much, the broker's keeping and how much he's getting and all that. But at the moment, unless he asks under the regulation uh, after the fact, it, it's it's not something that is required. Uh, the typical answer that the broker side would have is it's not really how much does the load pay. It's more along the lines of what is the owner-operator worth under current market conditions. And as long as I'm offering a rate that's a fair and honest rate that's in accordance with the going rate range as published by leading industry tools like Transcore, uh, 360 Express, uh, some of the other tools that are out there, in that case, the broker's position is always going to be that he's paying the going rate. And if he happens to be really good in, in negotiations with a shipper and he happens to make, you know, 12% instead of 10%, like uh, Dan was saying a moment ago, then his position is going to be, you know, that, that that's okay. So, you know, there, there is no such law right now, and can can that be proposed? Of course it could. Uh, but, you know, these are the, this is the difference in the, the way that the two different parties view that particular question. And I can tell you that I really fully understand both sides because as the president of DOTAuthority.com, we put both owner-operators into business as carriers and people into business as freight brokers. And so we, we kind of, you know, can fully understand, you know, what the other side is thinking. And yeah, right. another another thing you have to think about is is if you're going to say you can you're only allowed to make ten percent, you're you're um, you're assuming a certain number of things, and and that you're you're thinking okay that um, 
this guy's cost of doing business must be this amount, so he he can easily get by on 10%. Where I'd, I'd have to tell you, um, having done this for so many years, uh, if I had to if I had to go from you know 12.9% where I've been to 10%, uh, I'd be having some pretty doggone rough, t- uh, rough times, some some pretty lean times, and uh, you know, tight I, margin, I, huh? Well, it, it is a very tight margin with you know just my my phone costs and and um, insurance and and every other thing. I, it just uh, you know, and a lot of my a lot of my money goes back to my to my agents because they're the ones that do the work. So, right. And here's here's something to think about as well. If the bond does go up and the premium goes up, then who do you think is ultimately going to pay for that? The broker's not going to absorb that total cost. All of a sudden he's going to have to earn a higher percentage and take more money away from the owner-operator. Amen, because exactly. that's, that's another thought. We don't know what that what that premium would be mm-hmm. if we can right. get, the, if we can get the, the bond in the first place. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I'm, uh, does anybody, just real quick, I'm running out of time here, but uh, just a real quick reply. Richard, do you see it going to 100000 No. What did you say? No, I don't think it will. You won't. Okay, James? I don't know. I think um, they're sneaking in the, the highway legislation, and it, it all depends on whether some congressmen stand up and say, no, this is wrong. Uh, it could just I don't think anybody intends for this to happen as a standalone measure, but it might just sneak through. Dan, what do you, what's your gut feeling telling you? I, I don't know. I, if, it, if it does open, happen, I hope that I can, that I can secure the bond and um, – that I'll be able to protect the people that count on me every day. I, I do have a question. Is it possible that that limit can be changed? Is it too late now that it's right in the transportation bill? Can somebody step up to the plate at this point and say well, 100000 is too much, Twenty five is enough? That would, have to, that, that would be up to the people crafting the legislation. And I, I'm, I don't think that they're – I personally don't think that they're really wanting to do that, so – the people who are crafting the legislation is basically the lobbyists at TIA, and ultimately any member of Congress can at any time during this process uh, propose a amendment. And so we highly recommend that uh, the listeners that are out there contact their congressman and let them know, whether you're a broker or whether you're an owner-operator or a carrier, let them know that this is going to hurt you. Okay, and so they could put the amendment in there? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's still not final yet, so well, we'll keep an eye on it. Hey, it's a great show, man. Glad everybody called in. Uh, James Lamb, president of Association of Independent Property Brokers and Agents, website, independentpropertybrokers.org. James, uh, thank, thanks so much for calling in. Really, really appreciate it. been my pleasure. And Richard Wilson, regulatory expert. We all know him, transproducts.com. Richard, like always, thanks. You're welcome. It was great talking to both of you guys. All right. You too, Richard. And we'll see you again soon, I'm sure. And, Dan, of course, uh, we had you back on on the show here last November, so always glad to have you back. Looking forward to uh, seeing you in Kansas City in October. We'll see you there. All right, thanks again, and good luck with everybody, and we'll keep an eye on it. And, Donna, I guess it's just still uh, still up there, but, hey, it was a good show, you know. Great. Uh, um, I mean, I guess, you know, you got to give FMCSA and all these people uh, 
uh, you know, who listen, you know, let it, let them hear from the, you know, the little guy out there. You know, there's a uh, well, economy's hurting. You know, I I just would hate to see more people hurting when it's not necessary. Uh, yep, the more the more people that you know speak up, and the more they listen, the more that's going to be done. And um, you know, and everybody who's listening, go take a look, please at www.transportwatch.com because this is where you need to address uh, all those complaints that we see on Facebook, Uh, you know, all the different situations um, that you've been in. That's where you need to go and put them. You know, that Transport Watch is something that I just really got to help get more out there because it's such a great idea. And, you know, owner-operators, you know, they're talking about, uh, you know, they have gotten burned. I mean, it is a problem, but uh, Transport Watch is one big part of the answer, and if everybody would get involved, uh, that alone could uh, could stop a lot of these uh, broker problems from happening. Right, and and you combined with the, the other organization, um, put the two of them together, uh, you know, it, it would actually be a resource for, for owner ops to... Uh, you know, to investigate on their own easily. It's a big resource, and, you know, this is something kind of we're into, networking, Donna. So AIPBA, networking with Transport Watch, uh, you're building that trust, that circle of trust you always talk about. Uh, It's just a perfect example of networking. Absolutely, and people are going to see more and more. Um, They saw it a little bit last year at the conference, at the convention, but they're going to see it more and more that this networking approach um, people, you know, who have, you know, the transparency, the integrity, and honesty, and they want to do business with one another, they're going to become stronger, uh, both within their business, their knowledge, and how they uh, are perceived within the industry. So, yeah, it's it's very exciting to watch it um, unfold. And like I was saying earlier in the in the program, you want to see transparency. Um, you know, go check out Pilot's page, who is our, our new platinum sponsor. I mean, they just have it all out there. Uh, they just let people say their feelings. You know, uh, one of the worst things you can do in social media is to delete negative comments that people make. Now, I'm not talking about when people get on and they start using vulgar language and cursing or uh, derogatory comments to other people. Okay, yeah, those comments should definitely be deleted. But if people have a valid complaint and they're expressing it and then you see a company delete that. Yeah, that's a red flag, huh? But I'll tell you what. I am so impressed with um, Pilot and Challenges pages. People will say things, and they answer them, and they thank them, and they said thank you for your input, and we're going to investigate it and make it better. And that is the kind of um, honesty and and transparency we're talking about, and it's becoming more and more popular uh, within the industry. So I think this year's convention um, is going to be going to be huge going to be better than last year i mean we're pretty excited about it yeah and as this networking grows within the industry um uh the ones who benefit from that networking are the drivers 
and even the motor carriers. I mean, uh, you know, there's a benefit for everyone here with this networking. So, hey, it was a really good show. Dan Matuli, check it out, transportwatch.com, Richard Wilson, transproducts.com, James Lamb, president of the Association of Independent Property Brokers and Agents. That's a mouthful. Independentpropertybrokers.org. Thanks again, everybody, for being on this. And this will uh, do it for this broadcast of Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. Hope you enjoyed the show and appreciate you tuning in wherever you may be. And be sure to bookmark us and add us to your favorites to keep up with our show schedule. And we will be broadcasting live from the Mid-America Truck Show in Louisville, Kentucky, on Thursday, March 22nd and Friday the 23rd. Live show from the Dynasys APU booth. That's number 16052. So be sure to stop by and check out all the cool stuff from Dynasys. Say hello, and I may even pull you into the studio with me and make you a part of the live broadcast. So we appreciate it again. Here's singer-songwriter and professional long-haul trucker Tony Justice from his On the Road CD. And be sure to pick up your CD at any Pilot Flying J Travel Center nationwide. It's a great CD that you should have for your collection. Tony Justice performing the title track, On the Road. So until next time, for Donna Smith, truthabouttrucking.com, askthetrucker.com, truckingsocialmedia.com, Blog Talk Radio, and Truth About Trucking Live. I'm Alan Smith. Drive safe, everybody, and thank you for listening. Driving her crazy, driving that old truck. She needs loving, but. He's out of luck, he's on the road, he's on the go, he's on the road, hauling that load on down the line. While he's out there in the fast lane, her life's moving slow, he's on the road. He's pulling into Phoenix, she's pulling out her hair, tossing and turning. Wishing he was there, he's on the road, he's on the go, he's on the road, hauling that load on down the line. While he's out there in the fast lane, her life's moving slow, he's on the road. Get on the road, get on the go, get on the road, you're back in these arms.